recording. Testing. Cool. Got testing levels. Check, check. Check, check. Check, check. Check, check. Sounds good for me. I think you're a little quieter. Say it again. Check, check. That sounds a little clearer. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> All right. All right, here we are, bud. I'm live. About fucking time, eh? Live <laughs> recording. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, geez. Uh, so just to kind of set this up, I mean, you've been back in the States here for about two weeks now. We've been talking about doing this for a little while and, uh, you know, just setting the table by getting to know each other, catching yeah. up. Yeah, catching up. We already know each other, but uh, um, I thought this was a good idea to just fuck around with a podcast. And I think we both have experiences in life that can... Uh, I don't know, shine light or whatever for other people and stuff. You know? Interesting friends. Interesting that friends. That eventually we can bring on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe start off there. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? We had this conversation ourselves before, but just to put that out there, I mean, for me, uh, one, things are pretty crazy in the world today. So this is kind of a therapy for me. Two, this, is a, this I see as a hobby and a productive way to spend my time. Uh, and I don't know that it gets more complicated than that. You know, I'm I'm not coming from a place that I'm hoping that this explodes into some kind of podcast. It's just something that I want to do and hang out. I see it as an opportunity to invite friends that otherwise maybe wouldn't. I mean, look at us over all these years. We've seen each other one other time in 20 years. Uh, so this already has me motivated to invite friends down that we served with and guys that I went to college with and so on and so forth, people with interesting stories. So just kind of keeping connected with people. What about you? Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess in my life I tend to listen to the opinions of combat vets and professional fighters because that's what I've, you know, uh, been friends with the last, you know, decade or whatever. And uh, I have a lot of friends like that that hopefully we can get on and come talk to us and shed light. And then um, I think I was telling you this earlier, like since I'm 14, I've had my toes dipped, like like not like directly affected every single time. But I've definitely seen some news headlines in my life that, you know, from seeing the school shooting when I was 14 to going going to Iraq when I'm, you know, 20 after high school. And, uh, you know, I worked in the banking system after the military and watched the market crash in 08. And so, like, those experiences aren't something where <clears throat> I think I'm better or I know more or whatever. And I know people in those – had those same experiences with me that had it way worse than I did, you know, Um but uh, it still gives me – I want answers. That's what I want. I want answers from people like that, and I want to give uh, – like you said, this is therapeutic, and it's a good hobby, I think. And um, and I just think we have people in our lives that can come here and g- give people a voice that uh, might not otherwise have one. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's a situation where more and more 
all of the information that we get is just pure trash. It really does feel like it's more and more uh, just just people. It's it's actually podcasts that it, it seems I'm getting more news from and more information from that's not biased, like you see in the media. So, you know, we can we can maybe tackle some of that. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see what this uh, if this turns into something good. Then great. Uh, yeah, everybody, we're new at this too, so we're just kind of <laughs> playing the field. Yeah, I mean, trying not to say like too much on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go through it. Let, let's let's just start out like where we met. So we we met in Okinawa, Japan, uh, in 2002. I'm trying to think of when I got there. So I went through boot camp in San Diego, uh, February to May, 2002. Yeah, uh, I graduated boot camp in June. In June no, no, so- no. Was that April? Yeah, yeah, April, May, June. Yeah, and I graduated the end of June. Yeah, I was that gonna say, same year. I was going to say, so we, we ended up in Okinawa, like, really close to each other. So I Like, we just there. missed each other at tech school in Jacksonville. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably were there at the same time. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You know. So uh, boot camp, Marine combat training in Camp Pendleton, and then I no, was— Camp Lejeune. No, I was, M- I was, I was Pendleton. Before Okinawa? Yeah. Yeah, I was. That's where you went to tech school. I, w- I went to boot camp in San Diego. I went to MCT in San Di- or Pendleton. Pendleton, yeah. and then I went Lejeune. to yeah, just yeah, like Jackson, just like the Carolina. Pogues do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you know what? What's uh, supply school, admin school, and Motor T? There's probably some others, but those are the ones that I that I knew about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So that was my first three stops. Then I did my thirty days. Before going overseas, I ended up in, over in Okinawa. So you must have come along pretty much with that same path about a month later. Yeah. Yeah, because it seems like I almost don't even remember being there while you weren't there. Yeah, and then we got to Okinawa and had another Pogue <laughs> MCT, and that's when we got close, just getting lost in the forest with no <laughs> fucking map from some corporal that was like, go flank him on the other side. Yeah, so like, some... what does flank mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, so, so the, the, you know... In our unit, we were a we were a deployable unit, so we did like field exercises pretty often. We didn't deploy while yeah, we were but there. there was no reason for them to send us to this like <laughs> like we're getting invaded by Russia in yeah. two thousand two. And this is before, so we we went to boot camp pretty much right after nine eleven. Yeah, and we hadn't even invaded uh, Iraq by that point because nope. we didn't invade Iraq for two years about or give or take since when we joined. You know, I remember it was March eighteen two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. That, so yeah. so we were so we about were, a year and a half or whatever. Yeah, we were in the Marines already for quite some yeah. time. And I remember my first sergeant coming into my office and singing "Bombs Over Baghdad," <laughs> big big old motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we did probably bond the most on that first like field exercise. We we did that pretty early, I think. So so what we mean by that is just in our unit, every once in a while, we would just pack up everything. And go out to the field for what, like a week, two weeks? I don't even know. No, that time was two. We were out there for two weeks. Two like, weeks? Yeah. Humping around 10, 11 miles a day and carrying saws and 50 cows and all that shit. And I think we did. Just uh, a bunch of pugs, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I think we did the rappel tower. And to remind me, it's because I know I did it in the fleet. But I don't remember if it was. If, I don't know if that was us. I don't remember. Do, we might have. But, but I don't. So, so like the other things, we did the gas mask. 
the or the you know, the gas chamber. chamber yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like we did like some some things like that maybe for the first couple of days, and then basically you go out and set up camp. It was like Alpha Company and Bravo Company on one side, and then like I don't know the support side. I could be getting this completely wrong, but half the battalion on one side on one camp, and the other half of the battalion in another camp, and then we were supposed to like attack each other. And pretend like war was going on. Yeah, yeah. And so what you're talking about is uh, – The end of it when we dug our fighting hole. Yeah. And we had to stay in it together. <laughs> yeah, me and you of all people landed yeah, in the yeah, same yeah. fighting hole. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the day that we got lost, I mean, that's a pretty significant story of both of our – because that, that was like a – that was like several hours we were missing. I we were going to have to get helicoptered out and shit. <laughs> it certainly doesn't lend to our land nav capabilities. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, there was some corporal and he was like a, he was like an infantry guy. I remember he was, he was, tell- infantry yeah, he was like infantry shit, yeah. and transferred to, Radio I don't know, or whatever. Yeah, something like that. And so he was like our, he was like our guy. Uh, setting up like our plan to go attack the other, the other camp or whatever. And so I, all I remember is he said, walk down this trail. And yeah, like you said, after like, like half a mile, take a right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we walked down that with two other, a PFC and a Lance Corporal had no <laughs> idea what the fuck they were doing either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all, I mean, how long we, we must've been out of like boot camp and everything Maybe three months. Yeah, like yeah, that. at the most. Probably even less than that. At the most, yeah. And so uh, so we just – I remember we walked down this trail and like eight hours later – and we, we were nervous. Like, like, there was there were points well, – after about two hours of walking around knowing in the middle of the thick Okinawan jungle with <laughs> banana spiders with their webs looking down at us. I think one of the webs had a fucking bird caught in it. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, uh, now what? Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember we were, we, uh, we had blanks in our M16, and at one point we were like just firing off Help! the. Help! <laughs> we sound like, I mean, talk about Pogue experience. Yeah, yeah. We, we're losing all our credibility as yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> all my recon friends are like, you fucking pussies. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were just lost for, I mean, several hours. It was starting to get dark. And we came across this road, some road out in the out in the jungle. It ended up train. being the main road. It was on base still. It was on base, right? It was it was up in there, but there was like some kind of contractor work going on, and some Japanese national was driving by. There was like two of like, them in the van. I think. Please take us somewhere. And he didn't speak <laughs> any fucking English, so he's just like, get in. <laughs> yeah. So um, so here we are sitting in the back of this tiny little pickup Toyota, truck. Those old school Toyota vans that you know they almost look like the volkswagen travel vans but they're the toyota version of yeah them. yeah and so you know he take he takes us off base then drives us back up to off base with our m16s which <laughs> is a big fucking no-no <laughs> <laughs> takes us back up to the main gate drives us in and we i don't know we the got gate card was like why the fuck are you guys <laughs> off base with your rifles I don't remember if we just stopped at the gate or if we went to the company office or something. I, I think have, they I stopped. I think that we just got out of the van and they called our unit in the field. Yeah. Because they had been looking at us or looking for us for the last five hours. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that our uh, I'm sure that our leaders were not happy to that we were just like missing for that that period. Of time. I remember like we got back and we had that little gung ho female first sergeant that was like. 
five two, but she was just always like in there like swimwear. Or was that the company commander? Dude, you always do such a better job of remembering. I can't remember. I, anyway, I remember her being a little more concerned and pissed off at the corporal. Because I remember yeah. the corporal ran up to us and he's like, oh, what's going on? Are you guys okay? Blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, I don't know. We got stuck in the jungle for five hours, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, remember, I remember somebody in our chain of command uh, fairly high up there coming and like, like making sure we were okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we probably walked who knows how many miles. It was like it wasn't like flat terrain. Mm-mm. It was sweltering hot, yeah. and it was jungle type type situation. I had to take a shit, so I cut the <laughs> I sleeves remember. off my t shirt <laughs> and just wiped with that. I'll I'll forever remember you walking off into the jungle, and uh, come walking back, and you <laughs> you don't have any sleeves on your shoes. <laughs> Oh man, I'll tell you. So, uh, so you know that was a that's real when bond. we bonded though. Those two weeks. Who else was with us? I, I, you, you mentioned when we were out in the when we got lost. Who was the other two with it us? It was that Meg us. girl. Um, that she, yeah. she was from like Jamaica or yeah, some shit. Yeah. And then uh, I, can't, I can't remember Ruben? what the other kid's was name, but he was a no, no. It was a it was another. African American guy, I can't, I can't remember his name. I don't know, I can't remember either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know that was a bonding experience for us, but at the same time, we we um, we bonded with a pretty good. We had like a little group of people that like what five of us. It was like me, you, Powers, Mac, sometimes Lee, sometimes Lee, He's sometimes dude, Ty, sometimes yeah. Ty would hang out with us when he but, wasn't in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but that that like bonded us as a group. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, then it just got crazier from there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Straight up underage alcoholics drinking off base like psychos, and then did you what? What kind of? Uh, I don't even know if Lance Corporals can get off base in Okinawa now. Is like right? for like Libo past nine or t- I might be wrong, but I, I've been hearing like. I've heard people that have been in Okinawa after us, and they're like, "Yeah, you guys fucked it up for us." Did you what? What did you do like with alcohol or anything else before you went to the Marines? Because I mean, for me, I did none of that. I, I mean, I of course like drank a little, uh, like like two, three times when I was in high school, but I was like super straight laced. Well, this will go back to like <clears throat> that goes that goes back to what I feel now, and this is all stuff that I've kind of ignored for years and years and years and years and it's just up until now where i'm like yeah that shit probably had an effect on who the fuck i am now you know and uh so when we had our school shooting i was a freshman in high school my buddy yeah we got to go into that so so i i I mean i almost feel like you got to like walk into that a little bit more detailed okay (laughs) i'm not like it's not something that i'm against talking about or anything but yeah yeah but it's a significant thing that you went through i mean that's like a so this was, this was like a national this was one of the ones this that is were, a year before columbine yeah okay so it was like the biggest one that we'd seen on the news and middle class white people in america didn't think violence happened in their neighborhood and shit like that you know and uh my, and, then, and this is where this is in springfield oregon springfield. thurston high school okay and uh my buddy Kip, who we grew up with my whole life, my parents were friends with his parents. Uh, my mom babysat his sister growing up, stuff like that. And uh, he, we had this group of friends. Now Kip had his uh, another group of friends, but we had this group of friends. My buddy Tony was was really close with Kip, and so we'd have these like big sleepovers at Tony's house with like six of us and all you know whatever. So. 
teepee houses is what we were doing. This is before freshman year. We hadn't started really using drugs or alcohol or anything like that. We were just wrecking havoc on the neighborhoods in the middle of the night because Tony's mom was never home and or she was home and sleeping and whatever. So, so I, I guess remember, I, re- I remember you telling me for sure about this while we were oh in the for sure court. yeah but like what I think I didn't realize is that so you like hung out with this with this all guy. the time like we we were too young I don't remember words like depression anxiety you know all these terms that have came out now we were just like you know sometimes like I one time we were having a big sleepover and one of the guys. Kit brought a Kit brought his brand new knife to hang out with us, and one of the guys in the group uh, hid his knife from him. I don't know if he was planning on stealing it or whatever, but he just hid the knife from him. And Kip started freaking out, and he's like slowly starting to get worse and worse, and pulling his hair out and running around the house. Where's my fucking knife? Where's my fucking knife? And then he started fucking wrecking shit, and he took a big old steel pole, and I, I want to. I don't know if he threw it through a window or he threw – I know he made a big hole in the wall with something, and he's, like, crying and screaming and, like – and to us, we're just kids, and we're like, oh, shit, Kip's got a bad temper. That's all we – you know, we didn't – like I said, we didn't know anything about mental illness or anything like that. And then eventually my buddy gave him his knife back, and he spent the re- – Kip spent the rest of the night just, like, crying, and I don't know why I'm like this and blah, blah, blah. And so this is freshman year. This is my freshman year. Yeah, and then – what really, what kind of, what I, in my opinion, what kicked it off, and there's, there's a lot of other things. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly what was going on with his parents behind the scenes, but they were respected members of the community. His sister was, like, valedictorian at Oregon and shit like that. And uh, I, I know that they were hard on him, you know, about, um, about everything because he had, he had, ADD or whatever, ADHD and like all kinds of shit probably. Yeah. And, but like I said, we didn't know much about it. So they were, I think they were hard on him for getting behind on school grades and getting in trouble and shit. And then a lot of my friends had like older brothers that were like badasses in high school and you know, that we all looked up to and I didn't have any older brothers. So a lot of my friends, they're older brothers. So we heard this rumor that our friends, older brothers teepeed this house with like 400 rolls when they were in. When they were in uh, high school. And so we're like, well, we're going to fucking beat that. And so me and a bunch of our other friends and Kip would go to the store once or twice a week, buy a bunch of toilet paper and hide it under this bridge under this house we scouted for like two weeks. We didn't even know who lived there. We were just like, that's the house. That's that's the kind of TP game that you guys had? You were scouting houses? We were the best TPers <laughs> on the planet Earth, I think. We just went out there and started throwing it. I don't think anybody's ever t- – it took us – so anyway, we teepee this house. It took us like we went at like one o'clock in the morning and left at like four thirty, <laughs> and uh, it ended up being the grandparents of some senior at our high school. And I remember I was sitting in my sitting in my house one afternoon, a couple of days after, and uh, this uh, girl and her boyfriend, who was the grandkids of the house that we teepeed, came to my door with like a box of toilet paper, and they're like you know something about this? And my dad was home and fuck it. So we got caught and, uh, everybody involved got caught. It took us like nine hours to clean the motherfucker up. And that was like with all, and the guy was like, I felt so bad. The guy was like in his nineties, the guy and his wife that we teepeed. And he still 
helped us clean up everything. He, he was, was cool. he was clipping the shit out of the trees and clipped a fucking power line while he was up there. It went, and we're like, oh no. So that was a crazy story. But Kip's parents were really hard at him about that. And then like a week later or something, not too long after that, he, uh, I think the TP story is in a time, time article, time magazine article. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just talking about all this different shit that Kip had gotten into. And then like a week later, this is all vague. Like it's not every single day, but this is the gist of it. He got caught with a gun at school. Him and this guy named Corey were, I don't know if Corey brought it for him or I don't know how that happened, but they got caught with a gun at school and Kip got expelled. And I think that's when like some dark shit started going through his mind, and then, and then he just snapped. And was that was that also freshman year? Or was that- yeah, this is all freshman year. Okay. Everything's our freshman so year. Kip was a little older than us. He was fifteen, and we were fourteen. Okay. So, so was the shooting your freshman year, or yeah, did my it freshman year, longer? the end of okay. my May, May was it May? Yeah, May, our freshman so year. So it's like the end of the year. Yeah, and uh, he uh, snapped one night and murdered his parents. He shot his dad in the back of the head while he was at the fireplace, I believe. And his mom wasn't home yet, and she came home with the groceries. And uh, he shot her in the back with a shotgun, and she didn't die. And he dragged her down to the basement and then said, Mom, I love you, something like that, and (sighs) shot her in the face. Dark shit right there. Yeah, and I think he – I'm pretty sure he dragged his dad down because I think he uh, found – I think they found both his parents – in the uh, basement, and uh, and then he stayed in the house with them all night, and and when the cops got there to his the house, like the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack was just like fucking blasting. Love me, love me. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so he came to school the next day in his parents' car, and he came in one of the side gates, the back. And that was the same way that my one of the guys in the group that TP'd the house and stuff. My he was ended up, he was one of my best friends in high school, uh, Adam Pierce, and that's how I know that like I think if Kip would have seen me or a couple other guys in the group, he probably would have let us go because Adam turned he had been expelled and Adam turned around and saw him in like a trench coat, and he goes, uh, he Adam's like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here, Kip. And uh, he goes, Adam, get out of here. I'm about to do something crazy. And that's when he pulled out his gun and shot a kid in the head right in front of Adam. And Adam just Jesus. fucking ran. And then Kip went into the cafeteria. Um, I don't know the exact time placing everyone, but he killed another guy, shot about 25 other kids, ruined some fucking Jeez. lives. Like, he shot a kid in the spine that was being uh, recruited for professional baseball, and that fucked him up for life. He shot, like, half a girl's half her skull off. Like, all kinds of really bad shit. And I was in um, – I was – Adam, Adam, who he let go, ended up – well, I guess that'll go back to, like, my drugs and alcohol and shit in high school. Yeah. But uh, Adam uh, ended up committing suicide when he was, like, 24. Uh, so, anyway, Kip did all that, and long story short, my group of friends kind of – we didn't really take it serious, you know. We were just like, we had some detectives coming to our house for a few weeks. Some I had a couple come. Some of my friends had them come, and like, especially my friend Tony, because Kip called Tony after he had killed his parents and was talking to Tony like, 
you know, it's over, things are done. And Tony was like, oh, no, no, everything's going to be all right. We're fine. We're fine. Not knowing that he had, you know, whatever he had done. And uh, so we kind of just shut off. And that's, I would say that's the beginning of, I mean, there was a lot of people on the news thinking they barely even knew Kip and acting like they were a big part of it. And like, oh my gosh, oh, I'm so sad. You know, and, and obviously we're all sad and stuff, but just like you see now, like attention chasers for clout, you know? Yeah. And um, we were just like, fuck it. You so, know, let's be I mean, fucking dirt bags. And just like. Just like shoved it way down. Shoved it way down. My mom always says, I think that moment put a real dark cloud over your class. Do you, do you think, like, how much of that do you think that you've dealt with? Like, as you know, all these years later. You know, I like- just don't, like, so many people, like, like I said, I was in the hallway, right? And I remember being like, it was eerie. Like, I was the only one in the hallway. I forgot to, like, do some homework. So I was, like, rushing to this science class to get my homework done before a class. And all of a sudden, I see, like, a hundred or more people rip around the corner screaming and yelling. And I'm like, oh, fuck, fight out in the junior parking lot. Let's go. And they're like, get in the classrooms, get in the classrooms. And I'm like, whatever. So I walk into my science class, and I'm like, Mr. Dury, there's a shooting in the high school or in the cafeteria. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. I better go check it out. And so we're kind of like, didn't even, like I said, this thing had never happened before, so... Yeah, I was going to, I mean, just thinking about the, because a whole bunch of them happen now. You know, Columbine is Well, it was like popular remembers. about five years ago. It was happening like every other day. So this, this was maybe the first time that we heard of this at all. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think there was like a little one in Arkansas or some shit before that. But, you know, there's no internet back then. I mean, there was internet, but nobody knew how to fucking use it. And, I mean, uh, I, I can't I can't tell if I knew about this just because me and you were stationed together and you remember, but I don't think I think I remember the scene. Well, I met a couple was... people in the I met this one guy in uh, North Carolina, a Marine, and he's like, oh, shit, you knew Kip Kinkle. I like study these things, you know, <laughs> and because it was like because my sophomore year of Columbine happened. And yeah. so we had all these so like, like back to back years. We had we had news cameras pretty much at our high school waiting outside the high school for like a year almost. Yeah. And then Columbine happened and it was just like, eh, they're not the hot story anymore, you know. So shit, man, you went through some like serious trauma like leading, you know, leading up to I us. always think like now I'm older and I'm like, man, what if we would have hit his knife and he would have just blasted us all up? <laughs> you know well, I was I mean? going to say, do you think that he would have targeted you guys? Because it sounds like you guys. No, were like he had friendly. a list. He had a list of some dudes that had picked on him, and you know, and he he wanted to get some of the administrators like that expelled him and shit like that. And I know some of those administrators got pretty messed up from that too. You know, they they really struggled with it. And yeah, that's a crazy story, man. So, but going back to my question, like leading up to the to the Marines, because you know we were drinking quite a bit. We were underage. Drinking, well, that's what but, I was going to get into. But like, so so you're so you, like alcohol, drugs. What kind of what kind of? So shit I started were you smoking pot in uh, when in my sophomore year when I was fourteen. Just I think you know back then we were probably just like, oh, we're just doing it to have fun and be dipshit high schoolers and shit like that, but. A couple of my friends were really fucking smart, and so they wanted to explore their minds and shit. And so we started, like, man, I remember my sophomore year, I did uh, mushrooms for, like, four days straight with my friend Adam, and we're just a little, little kid, bro. And so, you know, I, I, uh, 
did a lot of mushrooms in high school. Um, just numbing shit. You know, by junior year, I did a little cocaine here and there, some ecstasy. And then by my senior, I think, yeah, my senior prom, I did like mushrooms ecstasy and coke you know and then drinking and smoking all in the same fucking night you know and so uh, yeah i'd done a lot of that shit in high school and i was just a fuck off anyway you know i didn't even i got like my adult basic education degree you know and which is better than a ged i believe but uh because i was almost there it was like i remember I can't even remember what it was, but I did something stupid for the last time, and uh, the administrator brought me in. And this is like a year, or not a year, a month before I'm supposed to graduate. And he's like, you know what? You're just done. He pulled out my fucking record, and it was like, you know, super thick and just slammed it on the table. He's like, you're expelled. And so I just finished up high school that way. And then I uh, started working with the Army. To, the army recruited me or whatever, and he was working with five for like five months. He couldn't, you know. I had all these just little misdemeanor bullshit, you know. And he was working with me, and uh, my buddy, a guy that I went to high school with, came back from boot camp, and he's like, "Well, why don't you just come talk to the Marine Corps recruiter and see what he has to say?" And the Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Gill at the time, I, I just saw him a few months ago. I went and visited him in California last year, yeah, and. Uh, he uh, was like, well, I'll have you enlisted in five days. And sure enough, he had good old, me, good old Marines. Yeah, good old Marine sure Marines. enough, he had all my shit expunged on my record and had me up at MEPS in like five days. And uh, and then that was when I started the Marine Corps. And like I said, didn't deal with any of the shit. So obviously 9-11 had already happened by that point in time. We we were just talking the other day. No, nine eleven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nine eleven happened that day. Yeah, because I was gonna say. I mean, flip the story to me. Like nine eleven. Uh, I mean, I was already gonna join the Marines, but actually, my I was in the Marine Corps Marine Corps recruiter's office on the morning of nine eleven. So, but I was I was just going up there to kind of do a dress rehearsal, make sure I had all the papers that I was gonna need to go up to Meps like that Friday. Um, but one of the things about you is that that like talking to you the other day that wasn't like a a big that wasn't like a big thing for you or like t- tell me like what was what was so 9/11? after high school right after high school i uh i went to this like church camp and it was at it was at uh the church camp was at wild a place called wild horse canyon and if you look on netflix there's a special called wild wild country about this like I don't want to. I don't want to miss their race, but I, th- I think they were like an Indian group or something like that. And they came in and took the whole fucking town over, like a this little old town. And they used the place that's now a church camp as their compound. And they were like, you know, they brought in all their people, so they outvoted all the governors and got their own. And they were walking. I mean, they were walking around the city with AK forty sevens and like policing people and shit. Jesus. So they got busted and shut down, and then some rich guy that was a Christian bought the camp. And so I went to this camp um, when I was right after high school, like right after high school, like the June I graduated or didn't graduate, but you know what I mean? Right around the graduation time. And then I went with a couple friends and I got quote unquote saved. And, uh, and I became like this, that was a thing. I was so impressionable and, I would say mentally weak. So I just kind of went with the flow and what was the cool thing and how I felt and stuff like that. And, um, 
I was like a real big hardcore Christian and not really drinking anymore and not doing anything anymore. And, uh, and then I went to boot camp and, you know, kind of what Marines do is we, I mean, hearing you walk back through this, it's like, uh, well, I, I guess as I, I guess as I think about some of my story too, it, it kind of makes sense that we gravitated to each other so much because dude, when 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 me, I, my memory of meeting you is that like immediately, it was like you were my best friend. Yeah, yeah, like no, for we sure. just right from the right from the get go, we just started hanging out all the time with the crew, but for the most part, it was me and you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, so I was mentioning going into the – so, like, I I drank a few times. Uh, I think I, I think I smoked weed, like, maybe twice, like, in high school. But when I went to the Marines, I had, like, no background with drugs or alcohol at all. And uh, that changed dramatically. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, because, you know, when we were over there, we, we drank all the time. I mean, we were – Maybe I mean, that was what we lived to do on the weekends. We were we probably could have been considered alcoholics to a degree. I don't know. We weren't drinking in the week time though. Well, because we were underage, yeah. we couldn't buy the shit ourselves. You know, we didn't have anybody to buy. Yeah, it Yeah, like us. we weren't we weren't showing up to work drunk. Yeah, or anything yeah. like that. But we definitely did it as as much as we can. So that might be, that might be a stretch to say that. But we, we weren't were any more alcoholics than another twenty year old marine. Yeah. doing his shit. You know. Yeah, and honestly, looking back, you know, I've had some pretty big wrestling matches with alcohol, like pretty much ever since then. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, my my story uh, going through high school and everything leading up to the Marines, um, you know, and you got a little bit of a first. I, I I would have to mention, you know, my childhood growing up with my mom. You know, my mom was pretty uh, psycho. <laughs> I'd be careful going too far down that. Uh, but it was it it was. Uh, yeah, man, it was just, it just was, it sucked, you know, yeah, yeah. like pretty much all. And I saw that she'd call and we'd see, you know, I'd, I mean, e- even just like the other day. Well, you it's know? like, I've told you, like, I, you know, I never would like want to be, give my opinion about someone's mom and their relationship. Right. Yeah. But like, I've heard the shit she said to you and it's like diabolical. She is diabolical. And that's, and, and that's, that's why. <laughs> You know, just I, I just let that be that. But um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, growing up was hard. You know, it was, uh, and and I I always hate like hearing people who have the have that story. But it was just it was it was like tense at home all the time. You know, there definitely was alcohol in the house. Um, there were boyfriends, and it just I I I think when I went to the Mar- I needed the Marine Corps because. I, I was like angry and I had some discipline problems and, uh, but you were like a pretty good high school football player. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that was like your background in high school, right? Yeah. 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 And, and honestly, I, I think playing sports kept me from going down the path of, you know, drinking or doing drugs. Or See, that's like weird that. because all my friends were like the top athletes in the school and they're like, <laughs> I'm positive that some of the guys, uh, that, that were playing, um, yeah, it for sure did a lot more than me. I don't know. I was always kind of scared of it. I, I, I was scared to like get addicted to it, I guess, to a certain degree when you're like watching it happen at home. Well, you know, I got a, like, I got a friend who was who was uh, he was a really good buddy of mine in high school. And I'm not going to say any names right now until we know that we can. But he was a wide receiver, like the best wide receiver we had. And he was on Kip's hit list. 
Oh, shit. And, man, he would drink like a fucking fish, and we would go and drive and throw beer bottles at the drunks coming out of the bars at 2 a.m. I mean, we're fucking 16-year-old kids, like, <laughs> pounding Captain Royal. Yeah. Or what is it? Not uh, Captain, Captain Morgan. Morgan. Excuse me. Captain Morgan. Drinking Captain Morgans and driving around drunk at 2 a.m. as 16-year-olds, like, fucking with people and shit. And yeah. he was psycho, man. Like, we'd... You know, I'd stay at his house and I'd hear him screaming in his room. And so there's no there's no doubt now, like looking back on it, there's no doubt now that, you know, that had some major effects on people like him. Yeah. And those were the people I was running around with. So, yeah, well, for me, um, you know, I'm think I'm thankful, too, for the the town that I grew up in. Um, I I, I grew up until I was like uh, seven or eight years old in Gary, Indiana, which is not a good place. It's terrible there. Yeah. and then we we actually had our house broken into one night, and that's what prompted my. Parents. Well, I remember you told me about Gary, and now ever since I just hear about Gary all the fucking time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a rough spot. Um, there's, I, I mean, even even these days, there's places in Gary that I would like if we broke down, I'd be like, we we're, we're, in, trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're in trouble here. Yeah, yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, so. Gary, I'm in danger. <laughs> so, so our house got broke into in the middle of the night. I guess it was more appropriately like our garage that's right next to the back of the house. Um, and I think that spooked my mom more than anything. And then it was like, all right, let's look for somewhere else. So we ended up in a town called Wheatfield, Indiana, a super small kind of country. Thing is, it's only like 35 minutes away, maybe 40 minutes away from Gary, Indiana. Um, so, you know, just uh, like good people, like a farming community. So a lot of my, a lot of my friends in high school and stuff, uh, just were, just were for the most part, good, good kids with like good Christian parents, I guess. And, um, there were shenanigans, but it was like nothing like what you're, what you're talking through and describing. So I had pretty good friends when I was in high school. I do know that some of them were messing around with like drinking a lot and, there was there was drugs and some stayed my, away from it. Somehow. So, some of my friends smoked weed, uh, you know, and I just didn't really partake in that. You've always been pretty like <laughs> obviously you, you're pretty fucking responsible, you know. Now, <laughs> and I mean, we'll get into that as we go on with the story, but yeah, uh, I mean, obviously you're pretty responsible. So you've always had a good head on your shoulder, yeah. And, but but honestly, I, I I do think football because I had like these dreams that I was going to go off and play. Uh, I was going to go play college football somewhere, and uh, I had a great time playing football. What position do you play in high school? Uh, I, I bounced around a little bit. I started two years. Uh, I, I started two years for my high school at center. Um, I was team captain my senior year. I was uh, I was one of two uh, juniors that started on the on the varsity team. Now, like going back and looking at my school, that's like you know that's like bragging that I was I was the uh, first place you know, ice cream truck, you know, or something like that. But nonetheless, you know, it was competitive. Um, you know, we played, played against some pretty good competition. But your but head so. stayed on your shoulders because you wanted to be good at football and get yeah. your grades and keep them up and yep. all that stuff. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I played a couple of different sports over the years, but for the most part, I played I played football every year. I, start, I started playing football from seventh grade all the way through senior. And uh, what's kind of interesting about my class is we I, I didn't lose a game until I was in 10th grade. We, mm-hmm. we went undefeated multiple seasons in a row. And, I mean, we were just crushing everybody. The thing that went wrong is not everybody kept playing. I think if, I think if my class would have stuck together, 
and you know, I, I as a senior, I think there were like 12, 12 seniors, you know, and you're not going to win a lot if if you don't have like that crew stay together. Yeah, so, yeah. um, but yeah, that like kept me pretty straight. Um, it kept I, it was also it was also an opportunity for me to get rid of a lot of aggression. You know, I was like angry. I was I was way angry. Uh, all the time. Would you say you still are a little bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for sure. I God have, damn it. I, I don't, uh, I, I've, I've cooled down a lot over the years, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we used to play the NCAA football on PlayStation and just like destroy the remotes. If like, uh, we, we could throw an interception and just like destroy the remote. Like that's where my headspace was at the time. So real you know, mature, Jake. Real yeah. mature. So going going out and playing football, uh football practice and whatnot was a was a good opportunity for me to get some aggression out, you know. Um but yeah, going into the Marine Corps, uh I, I definitely changed I don't know. I don't know why it changed so much that I was so willing to drink because uh Never, you know, never got into to anything else. I mean, even to this day, I, I, I alcohol's always been the thing that's kind of got Can't me by. Get you just smoke a little weed with. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't have an interest in it. Yeah, and yeah. and the thing is, is I've I've found uh, that just shit always hits me like hard. I, I even uh, medicines and everything. I don't know. Like weed, it just feels like I, I don't have. I don't know if it's the same thing that other people go through, but the times that I have smoked weed, I mean, I am just gone. I'm, yeah, yeah. I like my head just in an uncomfortable way. Yeah, because I'm it, gone too, but I like it, <laughs> and it just goes on for for a long time. And I just hate it so bad. I, I mean, I I've done it in my lifetime altogether to this day. I've done it maybe like six or seven times. And uh, every single time was basically like torture. Oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's maybe a time or two where I like just took a tiny and that wasn't so torturous. But there's times where like I smoked like a normal amount. I was a think. little uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I have the same reaction to a lot of other things. Like, so to fast forward a little bit, I did end up playing football in college. I went to Dakota State University in South Dakota. That's fast forwarding a lot. We that, still is, get, that is. We got we some can, stuff to get into we, we while can, you're in the Marine Corps too. Yeah, we can kind of like rewind a little bit, but just to touch on like the effects of uh, substances on me. So if, if Dakota State University, and I I hurt my back real bad while I was playing up there, and uh, I would get I would get prescribed like vicodin i think or maybe oxycontin yeah from the doctor for the pain yeah stuff like that and i'm telling you man like i i would have i would have back spasms so bad that i wouldn't be able i I, i've had experiences where i've literally crawled from my bed to the bathroom to to go to the bathroom to go take a piss yeah and uh i mean you couldn't even probably couldn't even wipe when you took a shit (laughs) Well, I don't know that I I don't know that I have a memory of that particular <laughs> problem, but like uh you know, I usually would it usually would suck for like a day or two and it'd be like real bad. Um and if if it really was up to something, I could get up and walk around, but it would take me like a long yeah. time to get from like the kitchen to the bedroom and stuff like that. And so I would get like Oxycontin and Vicodin or whatever the hell these doctors are prescribing me, and I I, I had a whole bunch of that stuff still laying around because I just they would give it to me. I, would t- I, I remember one time I took one of whatever it was that they gave me. I actually was suffering more from the effects of taking the taking the 
whatever they gave me. Like, I, no longer was I sitting there like, oh, God, my back hurts. It was more like, oh, God, I can't wait till this shit wears off, you know? Um, so, again, I don't know what other people's experiences are taking this kind of stuff, but this shit just always hits me hard, you know? I, well, my substance stuff goes way, <clears throat> way, way into my 20s. It's it, It's probably, like... It's a tolerance thing too. Like I, I can probably absolutely outdrink a lot of people because I've my tolerance is like super high. So. I mean, when I was when I got out of the Marine Corps and I was working at all those banks and shit, I was doing <laughs> cocaine like every weekend <laughs> <laughs> for a good like three years. I'm like such a saint in comparison <laughs> to you in this, in this regard. You know, not in every regard, but like in this regard for sure. But. Uh, yeah, you know, so that's it. So I joined the Marine Corps, and um, we met. Did our th- we were good friends for a year and a half, and then what happened? Then, um, so, <clears throat> so when I left Okinawa, uh, we'll go there. Okay. So I leave Okinawa, and um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm actually supposed to come back. Uh, it was uh, right. I I got approved for 19 days of leave to go home for Christmas and New Year's. And I had been in Okinawa for yeah, year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half, maybe on the uh, maybe on the deeper end of a year and a half. Uh so so I fly home and uh you know, all this is in a pretty good spot, so I'm just going to kind of like I, I I may glaze it a little bit here, but uh fly home, go through like uh planes, trains and automobiles, just a parade of comedic errors trying to get from Naha to to Chicago and uh the day that I got home was December 22nd 2003 and so with with all the with all the you know hour changes and all that I pretty much slept most of the 23rd I think I got home late yeah, in yeah. Chicago in the on the 22nd and I slept until like midday on the 23rd uh the evening of the 23rd, my little brother Joe and I, um, who who is two and a half years younger than me, uh, it was basically like a situation where when I was a senior, he was a freshman, and we were super close. You know, I mentioned like growing up in that house, me and him were just like good buddies. You're all you had yeah. for the bullshit. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always kind of felt like I was a, a safety net for him, and... You know, try to just like kind of take the brunt of a lot of the bullshit that was going on. Um, <clears throat> but we also were like best friends. Like Joe's friends were my friends. My friends were Joe's friends. What's like, the, what we, was the age gap? Uh, two and a half years. Yeah, same two and a half same years. My I, I'm trying to figure out how that works out. That I was a senior. I don't know the months we were born or something like that. But I was a senior when he was a freshman. Um, <clears throat> so 23rd, him and I go out and hang out with some friends. And uh, the next morning, me and Joe, I, I was like, the thought process was everybody in the family was getting together for Christmas Eve, which was going to be the first time that happened in a very long time. Um, and the reason we're doing that is because I was coming home. You know, I was like, everybody, this was like a good opportunity. I'm coming home. My oldest brother, Mike, was off doing a bunch of, he had like a big executive job in an architecture firm. 
uh, <clears throat> my sister, Melissa, she was planning on being around. She had been off in Florida, I think, a lot. My brother, Adam, was off in Florida a lot at the same time. So all three of those are my older siblings. So everybody was planning on being there. My mom and dad were going to try to call a call a ceasefire for a night. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> And so it was like a big thing. So that morning, me and Joe woke up, and I was like, hey, man, I don't have any gifts for anybody. We're going to, like, sit and do this whole thing tonight. Like, you want to just let's go up to walmart and like bullshit for a few hours it'll just like give us an opportunity for me and you to bounce off and dude we got we got one mile one mile away from the house and uh we hit a patch of ice went directly into a tree the 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 truck went sideways into the tree exactly where joe was sitting now my memory of it is can i ask what kind of car you guys were driving it was a it was a ranger ford ranger yeah yeah uh, it's like, I can't remember if it was a single cab or if it was like this, the cab and a half yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah, that I they used you. to do. It wasn't like a crew cab. Yeah, yeah. It was, I don't even know if they were doing that yet yeah. for Rangers anyways. Um, so we be, so my memory of it is me and Joe are driving along, not doing anything crazy. I mean, it was like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just man, the back, the back end started going out started sliding out to the right and i'm sitting there trying to correct it we're just on ice yeah yeah i mean the whole way. just the, the the whole road is on ice and um i tried to correct it we start we start spinning out enough that we're going to the opposite side of the street sideways and me and joe looked at each other like this is it yep we're going to crash shit like like we like we didn't look at each other like this is it yeah, yeah. we just looked at each other I could I could say like probably humorously because yeah, that was like the yeah, way yeah. that that was like our relationship. Yeah. It was like, dude, we're gonna crash, and just darkness. I I, I that's that was it. it. I don't remember crashing. So you went unconscious. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I was I, I woke up to uh, I woke up to a big crowd of people around the truck and somebody was knocking on the window, and um, and uh, I looked over at Joe and. I didn't I didn't realize the extent of it cuz the tree was basically in the truck with us. Like so so the other thing to know is like when we slid off the road there was like a dip on the road like it went it was like a ditch so it shot it wasn't a like more. a ditch it was like it just like the road fell off and it goes down so like when we not only did we have the inertia of sliding around but we also like basically fell like sideways into the tree, yeah. you know, like it almost shot you into the tree a little yeah. harder. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just it certainly picked up our speed, yeah. or whatever, it increased the inertia. So and like the, it, the angles and everything that it puts you at. definitely made for a shitty situation. And so uh, I looked over at Joe, and uh, I, I'm I'm basically for a while I'm coming in and out of consciousness. Like I'm I, like I, my memory today is like I'm I saw Joe. Then I don't remember getting out of the truck, and then I'm out of the truck. And then I don't remember sitting in the back of a cop car, but here I am sitting in the Why back. Why were of you the- sitting in the back of a cop car? I think because it was cold. They didn't want to put you in a fucking ambulance? Well, the ambulance, I don't think the ambulance had arrived yet. Oh, so they were taking care of you. So they just needed me to sit down somewhere. So they, like, put me back there. And, uh... So, like, now I'm sitting in the back of the cop car, and I, like, regain consciousness and just black out again. 
No, I'm sitting in the back of an ambulance. Major, major concussion for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm sitting in the back of an ambulance, and uh, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm like completely confused. I mean, to a certain extent, some of this looking backwards, I'm able to put a lot of it back together because I've thought about it obviously for 20 years ever since it happened. But uh, I remember at one point I got up and I looked. I looked out of the ambulance over at the truck, and I, and I just remember seeing there was, like, firemen there, and they were, like, cutting the truck. So they were, like, cutting Joe out of it, blackout. You know, now I'm just sitting in the ambulance again. And I remember a paramedic who I've seen a handful of times since then, most recently uh, 2020. Um, is that right? Yeah, 2020. Went back up to Indiana, and I saw her. And she came in, and she said, I know – I know that you have injuries, but we have to focus all of our attention on your brother. So, like, you just need to, you just need to basically just get through getting to the hospital. Like, just sit here. All of us are needed on your brother. Yeah. And so, were you, did you understand that? And you're just like, okay, do your thing. Were you just, yeah, you're I, just I, confused. You're concussed. yeah, I'm confused. Yeah. So I black out again. And I'm sitting there for a while, and I remember – so so now I kind of, like, wake up, and they're putting the stretcher with Joe into the back of the same ambulance with me, and I'm just basically sitting on one of the chairs on the side. And uh, and they're – you know, everybody's hustling and doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, <clears throat> I just reached up, and I, I grabbed Joe's hand, and I held his hand, you know, to the hospital. And I blacked out again a couple of times and so on and so forth. And so – uh, you know, so where does the story, the, the story basically just goes on for 20 years. Well, uh, he was paralyzed. Yeah. Well, he was, he was not only, well, he suffered massive traumatic brain injury, um, which basically led to, you know, no functional ability to do anything to basically speak. Um, there was a pivotal night. So, so, you know, here we are trying to get together for Christmas Eve. I'm back in country for like a day and a half at this point. Now, instead of being, you know, for the first time all around a Christmas tree for Christmas Eve, we're sitting in an ER room just like, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to put this story on me or anything, but I remember being in the because you were my best friend out there and everybody yeah. knew you were my best friend out there and i remember yeah. sitting in the office in my office in japan okinawa and uh i remember i think it might have been staff sergeant delgado somebody from my office was like hey jake got in a really bad accident and his brother's really hurt yeah and i was just like what the? and we couldn't i couldn't just like call you you know what yeah. i mean we didn't have cell phones yeah it was like then, such a more fucking com- internet or anything like that it was yeah. just like it was hard you know yeah well, it was uh, it was a grim day. It was very difficult. It was uh, it was the beginning. It was the beginning of a few years of just like what what is happening? Like like where where does this go? Is he going to wake up? Is is <clears throat> are we just going to have like a normal life again at some point? Is he just you know what? what? How long did that last? Uh, I think I think probably for like two years for me. You thought just maybe like, he had a chance to re- rehabilitate and all yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, a, a a dark lesson that I learned through all of that is like hope, hope, man. 
Hope is a good thing in a lot of ways, but hope can also suffocate the life out of you, man. Play tricks on your mind. Yeah, you know, because years later, it was only when I reached acceptance that I kind of started moving on with my life, you know. But um, but you didn't move on with your life. You were there for him for these whole 18, 20 years, whatever the fuck it was. You've been... It's been complicated. Yeah, I've always he's he's forever been on my mind, you know, but uh and and for sure he's like shaped who I am today by by going through all this stuff, but uh you know, the complications of the relationships in the family mostly with one person previously spoken of, you know, just like really amplified the the difficulty of the whole thing. Joe ended up being um, <clears throat> I remember when we took him off of, he, he was, he had a uh, trach, he had a trach and everything. And, uh, I remember when we took it off of him, we were like kind of wondering what, what's going to happen. And his, you know, he had enough cognitive function that his body like didn't, you know, his, his, his brain was still functioning enough that he could breathe on his own. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he lived, <clears throat> but for, you know, 19 years, he wasn't able to speak, uh, couldn't move his arms, couldn't move his legs, couldn't, I mean, basically laying on bed, 24-7 care, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, for, so his story is he goes, he's in the ICU for like three months, and then uh, he gets transferred to Rehab Institute of Chicago, and he was there for... Mm, Looking backwards, I don't know if I got these timelines right, but it was a couple months. It was like five or six months, maybe less. Um, great place up there. Great, great doctors and everything, just doing what they can. Uh, and then, you know, pretty much got to a situation where he had to go home. And so he was he lived at my mom's house for, you know, the rest of the time. And um, Joe, Joe passed away. Joe passed away last year, June 2021 of uh of heart failure you know and and you know by that time it was like such a bittersweet thing because he's been living in such a torturous lifestyle all these years that of course there's some emotion around the fact that wow joe's dead but it also was like thank god for him i mean the guy has the the guy had a bad bad run more of his life was spent in the coma I mean, I don't know. There's Word. probably people that'll be real more specific about what it's called, but essentially comatose. Uh, it was like he's he lived like 18 and a half years with the coma, and he was like just 18 when we had the accident. You know. Yeah. So to go back to the to the linear nature of like my Marine Corps stuff. Um, so like I said, I was supposed to go back. To Okinawa, that wasn't like a, I, I didn't leave with orders to come back to the states, but um, the Marine Corps was good to me. They they transferred me back to the states to be closer. I ended up landing in uh, Arlington, Virginia, with headquarters Marine Corps, and uh, <clears throat> essentially like downtown, basically DC. You yeah. know the DC area. Um, excuse me, Henderson Hall. Henderson Hall is the the base that I was on. And uh, it's like right next to the Pentagon and, you know, kind of cool thing. I got to go to the Pentagon a few times to work. I mean, something that I celebrate less and less these days. <laughs> but um, pussies. Yeah. But it was a, it, you know, it's just kind of an iconic time. And um, and that's where 
you know this this whole thing i i was absolutely an alcoholic i i i was trying to deal with everything i was way deep way deep like every day getting super drunk yeah almost probably probably within a week after the accident i just started drinking just started drinking like crazy man and it was it was a downward spiral and uh i honestly don't know how i i made it through like a year and some change and then you were done with your time right yeah and most of that time most of that time i was just deep deep into drinking um i mean i was having fun sort of in in a lot of ways you're always having fun when you're drunk and then yeah. that's when you wake there's up a, there's like the norm mcdonald joke where he's like yeah oh, my my uncle said he's got alcoholism, and I, and I was like, yeah, I recognize that as a disease, but it's the best one. <laughs> it's the best one. Uh, because sometimes, uh, you know, when I drink, I uh, I get happy. I get much happier. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, so it was bad. Um, I did. I did have an experience while I was in headquarters Marine Corps where, I, like, this significant day the significant day to me where I like woke up, looked in the mirror and was like, my life is in shambles, man. And I need to change. And dude, I did. I changed. So like, what, you got out of the Marine Corps. Yeah. And it was, it was a little bit before that. It was, it, did it, you start school while you were still in? No, no. Okay. I just, I went to, I went to college right when I got out. But, um, yeah, I I pretty much uh I just had this day probably about 3 months before I got out of the Marines and I just I saw myself in the barracks I was like just got home from being out at the bars and everything and uh it was like oh, it was like uh you know I was getting up for PT and so I'm like in the in the barracks room looking at myself in the mirror and I was like holy shit I just I looked at myself every day you know, brush my teeth and whatnot. But I just that, that morning I saw myself and I was like, so, yeah, I like I can see I can see how the demons. The, yeah, the demons like the the physical toll that my lifestyle was taking on me. And so I was like, I got to change. And and I think I think I can honestly say that basically there I quit. I, I quit for a while. I mean, like, sometimes I mistake the story and they're like, you know, I say like, yeah, no, I quit. And then that's all they hear. And then, like, we go to dinner tonight and I have a beer, you know, <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> I thought you quit. And I was like, no, no then. <laughs> then I quit. <laughs> I quit then <laughs> for a while. Um, but, of course, I'm going to have a beer tonight. Like, don't be crazy. <laughs> so... Um, but you know, oh, I was pretty shit. deep. I was deep into smoking cigarettes too. I was probably like in that time frame. I was probably smoking like at least easily a pack a day, maybe yes. even two packs a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, gave all that up too, man. I don't know the, the the discipline I had at the time. I I I still had enough to go through that. So, but yeah, that's pretty much my story in the Marine Corps. Um, there's there's more to talk about. There's guys that I served with in Arlington that would be. Yeah, I hope to have them on and and talk to them about many great memories that we have and some of the shit that and that's that's kind of the thing about the military, too, because like listen to your story, listen to my story. We're like a bunch of dudes that like went through a bunch of bullshit a lot of times in life, like a lot of guys that I can think of um, probably more uniquely tied to that 
demographic of experiences in my life, like serving in the military compared to like playing football in college or being in college and the friendships that I made there. Um, my, my time in corporate America and the friendships that I have there, like very specifically the guys that I knew in, in the military, you know, we all like fucking ate some shit in life, you know, like <laughs> yeah, what yeah. the fuck? Almost all my military buddies did. Maybe that's why we're able to like get through and laugh about it. Yeah. Get through the, the, you know, the training and shit that they put you through. Some people think I'm insensitive, but. I laugh at dark shit because it's my coping mechanism, you know? <laughs> like, making jokes about it is the only way to get past it in my mind. Well, let's volley- And I don't know if that's healthy or not, but that's just what I fucking do. Well, let's volley back to you. So, so you're in Okinawa, and you're, you, you were in Okinawa, so I leave. I don't come back because of the accident. You're there for a little bit longer, right? And yeah, then, yeah. And then, so, so-, so then I... I uh, was in Okinawa for a little bit longer. I mean, my, the rest of my Marine Corps experience was pretty mild, you know. Like, got I just a, got a freaking deployment to a rack in there. There's well, be I transferred. I transferred to the my my next base was uh, I want to say MWCS 39. It's a it's a wing unit in Miramar. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to the fucking wing. And uh, and remind me, did you pick that? Did you like? Yeah, I picked box? it. I picked like because when you stay in Okinawa for two years, you get to take your three top choices of where you want to go. And I just picked like a Portland's place, a Eugene, because I was a young kid that hadn't seen, which I wish I would have like said like fucking Thailand or something, you know, I don't know, whatever. At least Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. At least Hawaii. But I picked uh, Miramar and uh, I got there and they're like, Hey, we're deploying and um, to Iraq because that's when the shit was like, heavily like we'd already set up in iraq you know by then it was like 2005 but uh it was you know shit was just getting popping you know yeah and uh they said hey ryan we want you to deploy to iraq but you don't have enough time on your contract you know to go and then come you know whatever so i extended my contract for like three months because i heard the pay was really good in iraq and i went to iraq and i actually ended up going to iraq with uh, one of my best friends that I was in Okinawa, we were together in Okinawa for two years and, um, she was a really good friend of mine. And then we ended up getting the same days and we, so we went to Iraq together and it was, you know, Iraq was, was not you know, like dangerous in the sense where I was on the front lines, kicking down doors and, you know, having to deal with the worst, like some of my buddies, man, like their stories are like sick you know what i mean it's it's scary so so just just to like timeline this a little bit so the war kicks off march 18 2003 this has got to be like what oh four oh five oh five uh i went in like october september oh five and then i was there till february march of oh six yeah and uh you know we got hit with our base got hit with an rpg every you know an inaccurate rpg every couple times a week or whatever the fuck but it wasn't a big deal and uh but we had the shock trauma platoon on our um base and i'd always see like you know people that were really civilian iraqi civilians and military personnel getting medvaced into it's it was like essentially the the base i was in takatum was in the middle of uh, uh fallujah in baghdad so it was like the emergency room for uh for iraq yeah and so i'd see a lot of burnt up bodies a lot of bodies that were going to get that were going to die as soon as they got on the operating table, shit like that. Yeah. And I guess that's when I started being like, what the fuck are we doing over here? Like, yeah. this can't be 
about where's all the weapons of mass destruction and you know where so that's when i started being really like you know we're not over here for what we say we're over here for yeah which doesn't i i want to make it very clear that this doesn't discredit any of the combat for like my friends still went over there fought for the buddy next to him and um and killed some bad guys yeah. killed some straight up bad guys i mean that fucking culture over there is disgusting yeah they're raping kids you know it like openly and so whatever so like i don't discredit any of that but did we belong over there in the very first place i don't know yeah and so that's when my mind started getting pretty twisted and warped and i guess what they call it now is I guess I was blackpilled is what they call it. You know, <laughs> you get like sent into this like pit of despair where nothing matters and what's the fucking point and shit like that. And so I got out and still with no direction, started working at banks and, you know, doing a lot of drugs, like I said, on the weekends and just living that bank life. Got fat as fuck. <laughs> uh, um, uh, well, just uh, and then the market crashed in 08. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, I'm still like, I'm still like, yeah, you know, we're fucking fighting this bullshit war and whatever, whatever. And then the market crashes in 08, and I'm like, damn, these motherfuckers have that much control over our money, over you know everything. Yeah. And that kind of gave me another black pill, and <laughs> then I was really like, what the fuck? And to make a long story short, I got, um. Like I was like super fat, super depressed, getting in trouble. Life felt real shitty. And I had a couple friends that were professional Muay Thai fighters, a husband and a wife. And they were like really good friends, still, still good friends. And uh, they were like, well, why don't you just like start training and, you know, whatever. So I just started training Muay Thai. And, uh, and that, that, you know, I, I fucking lost like 110 pounds in six months and um, – started training to fight and just started fighting a little bit here and there. And I, I never, I never call myself a fighter because my fighter friends like do this for a living. I never had to do it for a fucking living. Like they, you know, they got to get sponsorships. They got to really, they can't take a day off the gym because that means the guy that they're fighting is taking a step up on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't call myself a fighter, but I'm a, I'm a fight enthusiast and I've trained with some of the best guys in the fucking world had my ass beat by some of the best guys in the world. And, um, and then I, my buddy came back from Thailand after I'd been training for like two years and he's like, dude, you should just go fucking train and live in Thailand. See how that goes. And then I ended out there for seven or eight years and had well, a lot of experiences with that too. Well, I want to come back to that, but, yeah, I, yeah, for but, sure, I, for sure. but I want to pause for a second on the, um, the black pill thing because, um, so, so you, you go to Iraq and, you know, then working in the financial industry and there's a downturn and you're getting blackpilled. I mean, I, I think that happened to a lot of us back in those days because I was getting blackpilled at the same time. Like, so I'm in a different place. I'm off in Arlington, Virginia, uh, headquarters, Marine Corps, <clears throat> and we're all watching the news. I mean, like weapons of mass destruction should be a story that's remembered because it was all bullshit. That was bullshit. And it's sold people on going into a war and being okay with the patriot act yeah i I mean 
But people should remember that kind of manipulation that takes place. And for me, it was like that's so not to jump all the way ahead here, but just to draw a comparison, like what's going on with covid here? What's going on with Russia and Ukraine? I'm still like going back to the weapons of mass destruction going, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We just moved on. That was all bullshit. And there was a lot of pain that that caused. And so that was like the beginning of me going, wait a minute, we're fucking getting lied to. And um, it was just really the beginning. I mean, honestly, ever since then. And but was that probably- was before um, that was before we could just jump on Google and find a million different fucking articles from different. Well, you know what I mean? So we didn't. Ha- so we just were left with our own thoughts a lot of the time. Well, I think it was happening at the same time. Like like the the Internet was really emerging. And there was there was now an enormous amount of additional places that you could go and find information. Um, you know, I, I remember I got out of, got out of, got back from Iraq, got out of the Marine Corps and I sat down and watched Zeitgeist with some um, friends and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, I think there were probably just multiple times that like 36 straight hours with a nap here and there, I just like watched the whole YouTube, all of everything on YouTube, yeah. you know? Uh, about a variety of different things, and it's it, it like it goes so deep. It's like everything you could possibly think of. It's like the food that we eat. Yeah, well, uh, that, that was a, around the same time that Food Inc. came out too. Yeah, it's like the food. It's like I mean, it. it I don't even know. And I, I mean, in this whole process of being on this podcast, the last thing I want to do is like start sounding or coming off like some. Off the off the map conspiracy theorist. I think Alex I'm Jones bound. On crack. <laughs> I think I think I'm coming from a place of pretty good reasonability. Um, I mean, you and, have a business degree, or you have a master's degree in business psychology, right? Well, it's organizational leadership and change. Uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, what, what metrics do you need in life? Like, I've been I've been very successful. I've led a lot of people. Um, I, I, you know, I've been liked in all of those circumstances. I played football. So I, I don't the know point what, like, to that what, is you're a reasonable fucking guy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm everybody else. You know, sometimes you get into a conversation with somebody and they go down there and they're like, well, you know, they start quoting articles and everything. But I mean, where I'm coming from more than anything else. And, and I, I've had my, my share of like specifically looking up articles and like documenting them all together just so I can like round out my arguments and everything. But it doesn't take a whole lot more than this. The lack of open your eyes. Shit's fucked up. Common sense, especially now. Yeah. But like when you look at like the history of well, all the things that are the going shit on. that we've been screaming about for the last 10, 12, 15 years or whatever is coming yeah. to light. Yeah. And so, you know, I want to talk about all that stuff. And I, I guess today I, this episode's about us and our background and who we are and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee it to whatever listeners we're going to have or whatever, we're going to get into some shit. We promise you that. <laughs> but I do want to stay grounded. And maybe this is like a, a, a short sound clip that should be captured. And even for me to stay grounded, too, is that like just use common sense. Common sense tells you it's, it doesn't have to be like it. it how much deeper does it have to be? Like, how many if times you, do we got to see Nancy Pelosi up at the pedestal flopping her dentures, talking bullshit? 
before people and then people are still like oh let's go ukraine it's like dude obviously something's fucking going on now we can get into details about all that shit later but yeah yeah like you said open your fucking eyes people but but i bring all this up and to go back to like forwarding our our paths in life but like i just bring this up because i think being blackpilled like like you say like you went through that where you were i went through that where i was a, a whole bunch of guys that i knew from the military because that was predominantly my group of friends at the time and frankly just a, most of the people i know uh, around yeah. 2008 2009 2010 were starting to go wait a minute wait a minute what's going on and it's just like multiply that times well, 100 now so i did my black say i got black pill or whatever and then I stuffed it down with drugs and alcohol for years and partying and women and all that shit for years. And now I'm at the point in my life where like, dude, Ryan, that's immature and that's not any way to handle. I don't want to be black pill. I don't want to have no hope. You know right, what I mean? Right. Well, I think to a certain extent, that's kind of what's bringing you and I back together. Yeah, here. exactly. You know, because just to speak for me, yeah, I've been in a little bit of a funk here lately, and it's and it's got everything to do with views on what's going on. Well, why don't you tell people what you've been doing for the last like ten years or eight years or whatever? So I'm. Uh, you said you were working in banking. That's what I did too. I went into banking. Um, I started with a, a company. I'm not going to go into who it is or anything. Not yet. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is. So, so just to walk through, you know, my career, my, my career was, uh, I started, I started in collections. Um, that's how I got in the door. I just was a collector, called people, asked for money. It's not what a lot of people think it is. It's actually more, uh, especially for the organization I was working for. It was, it was, it was actually fairly humane. Like, I feel like they equipped us with tools to take care of people. You know, if they're working with us, then work with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that was that was a um, that was an empowering. I did some collecting at my job too. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Uh, like I, I had to go to door. They would send me to their fucking door sometimes. Jesus, like no, out in yeah, the middle yeah. of fucking nowhere, didn't like with a pit think, bull on the chain and shit for a one thousand dollar unsecured loan. And I'm like, hey, can you give me three hundred dollars? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. Outdoor versus indoor collections, I think, is the term there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I came in at a good time. I, I came in at a time where not only was the location that I was at, which was Pensacola, Florida, exploding in size, uh, the whole company was. And so I just was hungry. Um, I, I, you know, between getting out of the Marines and going out to uh, do this job, I played football. So, like, I just... I just had like that competitive, hungry spirit, and uh, I got promoted pretty quick. You know, I think six months after I started working for the company, I was a supervisor, like a section supervisor. So I had like 12 people working for me uh, with an assistant supervisor. And uh, then my competition, the, the thing I liked about my experience in collections was that it was like there was a scoreboard. You know, it was like they put up like how much do you how, who's collecting the most, who's doing the best on their cycles, as we would call it, the due dates going out. And uh, we just were really good. I, I, I felt really proud of the fact that I was able to, like, build 12 people into just outstanding collectors. And competitively, we we beat the competition a lot, you know. And then um, I just was really focused on, in, in my mind, I was really focused on trying to help everybody that worked for me to, like, join 
in the expansion and grow their career. So if I could get people promoted, then awesome. I would do everything I could to try to get people promoted. And uh, <clears throat> I was getting pretty, I was getting recognized and they moved me around to a bunch of different teams and so on and so forth. And then finally an opportunity came up to take over consumer loan collection. So I was like the assistant manager. Now I had, I don't know, like eight, eight supervisors, about a hundred people working for me. But uh, I think it was 27 when I had that job. So that was pretty that young. Was, yeah. Quite a Some bit of shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit of responsibility to have at, at a young age. I for sure made like some pretty significant leadership mistakes, but I was glad, like looking back, I'm glad I did because I was smart enough to just like realize. Let it roll off and learn from it. Yeah. Like there was like, there was this time. Uh, so, you know, this is like four years, four years after I start, I'm the, I'm, I'm the assistant manager of consumer loan collections and uh, collections also like a lot of pressure. There's just the, like the, the the goals like never stop. And then on top of it, it's like 2010. So the fallout of the economy is there. So it's just like in, impossible to hit your numbers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of pressure, pressure on my boss, my boss, pressure on me and so on and so Shit forth. Shit rolls downhill, as we say. Yeah. And so like for a long time, I just kind of I just kind of felt instinctively, well, if I could stop it at me, then the team will do better, you know. Uh, but somewhere, somewhere I lost that, and I made the mistake that I started throwing the pressure out too, like uh, like letting it affect how you like your positivity on your yeah like the people that you supervise and all that. Yep, yep. Talk, the, you know, calling them together. I don't want to hear it. Get it done. Stupid bullshit like that. Some real gunny, you know who bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so one of one of the one of my one of the people that I got hired with in 2007 was a collector. She was she was a senior collector, and then I was the assistant manager. So you know she's got an assistant supervisor, a supervisor, and then I, then me. Um, but we were we just were our friendship surpassed like whatever ranks or we like we weren't stupid about that you know so we hung out all the time in the beginning and then we kind of drifted apart a little bit uh but we kind of kept to meeting once a month we still like got together once a month and 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 just kind of shot the shit well one of these months so she's on my team and she we're having lunch and she goes everybody hates you (laughs) damn (laughs) dude everybody hates you like the whole, like everybody, the whole, the whole floor, they're, they're like, they're not, they're not good with you. Uh, and shit, man, that haunted me. Like I, like I listened, that was the first time that I, that I really like reflected how, what, what, what the fuck am I doing? And what leadership's all about. Yeah. Like what, what am I doing as a leader here? And so it kept me up for a few nights. Uh, a couple of days later, the, it was the first of the month. Usually the first of the month, we, like, got everybody together and did, like, a monthly award ceremony and, like, recognized the person who collected the most and all that kind of stuff. So we held that, got everybody off the phones for a few minutes, did that. Now I'm watching it with a new context. Everybody's golf clapping each other and everything. There's, like, no energy. Everybody's just like, just let us go back to our desks. work. <laughs> So before everybody went back, I said, hey, hold on. Hold on. I, w- I want you guys all to hear something. I've been doing this wrong. <clears throat> I've been doing this wrong. I, I, I forgot. I forgot what got me here. You know, I forgot what got me in the chair. And it was being a people's champion. You know, a lot of you guys worked for me when I was a supervisor. And, you know, now I'm the assistant manager. And uh, all I can say is 
I'm going to do it better. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do it better from here on out. Like I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to be a voice and you know, things are going to be better. I don't expect you to believe me right now, but just watch. And there, I remember one of the collectors right up in the front, like just five feet away from me, he just makes a face like this elephant in the room addressed. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and dude, I just, I, that's exactly what happened. I basically just like, uh, it, it was, it was the only other time and working for the company up until recently, which I'll talk about in a second, that uh, I was ready to leave. I, I basically was like, if I, I'm not going to just bow down to the pressures and shit anymore, like I'm going to speak up, <laughs> you know, take a look at what's going on. It's a crazy time. Nobody has m- money for bills. We're doing the best that, that we can do. Uh, and so uh, I just kind of put myself on the line and I said, you know what, if I get fired, I'll get fired. I'll find something else to do. If I get, you know, if I just burn the wick too much, I'll quit and I'll find something else to do. Still young, whatever. Uh, and I, I kind of just started taking a stand. So every time I got pressure, I was I, I wasn't like an idiot about it or anything, but I just I refused to just go waylay the floor for what I was getting, you know. And uh, slowly but surely, that situation kind of corrected itself. It ended up being that the guy that was putting the most pressure on all of us ended up getting kicked out the door himself. Um, and then I bounced off to go do something else. But that was just like kind of a little sidetrack to a particular like leadership lesson. Probably one of the biggest ones I've learned in, in, my, in my career. Uh, so then I got an opportunity to go to the HR department, work in learning and development as a consultant, like an internal consultant. Which, so this is like a year later, so now I'm like 28, and I got this job where I'm like meeting with senior executive leaders and, uh, you know, like researching their issues and stuff and then like giving them advice on what to do. So it was like surreal. Yeah. It was like surreal to be in the position. Uh, Built my network inside the organization enormously. I mean, I basically got FaceTime with all the important people. Uh, so it was awesome. And I and, and it it sucked at first because I was way out of my comfort zone. I had no training to do what I was doing. I had to learn everything from the ground up. I was just so thankful to get the opportunity to do it. And what another amazing lesson to learn that like being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> but about six, seven months in, I started to hit my stride Um and I, it's hard to really summarize that job because it was just anything and everything. It was like, go look for a problem in the organization and then fix it. You know, if you can get the leaders who are who are leading that area to buy into you and bring you on board and then you can actually make an impact then good on you. You know, and I also really loved the the room, the the leash, the loose leash that I got to do that. You know, my boss basically was like, go solve problems. Yeah, you know, yeah. so like figure it out, dummy. Yeah, <clears throat> and so I did. Uh, but then I really missed. Uh, I really missed being in leadership. And to kind of speed this up a little bit, because I know I'm like dragging this out a little bit. But uh, so I did that for about two and a half years, and then I really missed being in the like being the actual leader. You know, so I wanted to go back into leadership. So I went to the contact center, and I went into a support group and. Um, you know, worked there for three years, really built an awesome team. I think when I left, 66% of the – what I have when I was there, I think I had like maybe 80 people mm-hmm. that were working for me. 
uh, 66% of them got promoted while I was there for oh, three wow. years. Yeah. So, like, I was really proud of that. That was one of the biggest things. And then, um, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been out on the road in charge of branch offices. But the significant thing is that I I quit. I quit. I, I, uh, I, I left. And uh, there's certainly going to be uh, some opportunity to go into this deeper. Uh, I don't even know if I have exactly it all put together the way I want to say it. But, uh, yeah, you know, pretty high-ranking executive, 14 years. And uh, I quit I quit morally. I, I just uh, – morally I couldn't I couldn't agree with uh, some of the things that were going the on. Policies. And it's it's got, got to do with all the COVID bullshit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to be careful, too, when I do truly, like, lay this message out and deliver it because there's – there are so many people that did me right, you know, in the, in the whole process. And so I wouldn't want to alienate like them. Like people that give you the opportunity to do what you did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, I, let, and let it so you could comfortably quit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. Thank yeah, God yeah. for that ability. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, honestly, the, pretty much everybody who's ever done me right never did me wrong, you know. And so it's like, how do I carefully say that? Uh, also the organization, I owe a lot of positivity to because yeah, it's everything you see around you is like built, it's come off the heels of opportunities inside that organization. But when it comes down to it in the end, there's just a, 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 a decision I couldn't get around. And so, and so I left, you just know, morally, it just ate you up every fucking day. It did. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was pretty, it was rough. I remember, I remember like. You know, the last couple of years, obviously, we've stayed in contact and more than stayed in contact. You know, we keep in touch and catch up and shit. Yeah. But I could see it because, you know, let's see. I, I visited you in Florida, like, right. I think you were still in collections when I visited you in Pensacola. Yeah. I maybe was- just, I don't know. But uh, there was a noticeable difference in these last two. And me, too. I mean, everybody, obviously. You know, we've been, yeah. all been going through this fucking bullshit together. Yeah. But, uh there was a difference in your attitude and uh, like a sense of despair yeah. that I noticed, you know, and you weren't fucking happy. Yeah, man, I wasn't. I just, um, you know, it, it, the way I describe it is I was playing long. And you weren't, you weren't happy, but you were making, you know, a really good amount of money. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 on that front, um, I've had time to reflect on it. I think I've had time to regret it, which I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in time, some I'll, I'll find some other way of looking at it. Whatever, I'm sure that's going to happen. Well, I mean, but honestly, honestly, I've proven something to myself, which is pretty exciting. You know, I my principles are higher than a paycheck yeah. in my list of priorities, and that's that's important. You know, I don't want to lose that ever. Yeah. No matter what happens, no matter where I go, whatever job, however my, you know, professional career, whatever that looks like, I always want to have some element of what I have right now. And that is I have enough freedom that I don't I don't have to I don't have to be here if I don't want to. Like I want to be here because I want to be here and I, and I want to want to be here. And if we can keep that as part of the relationship, then good. Well, but I think if that's I what get this... to the point where I don't want to be here anymore, then fuck off. But I think that's what the point of this podcast is, is we're going to find answers for that kind of stuff. And it's going to open our eyes. And maybe... well, well, 
We'll talk about it. I mean, do you think we'll find answers? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get smarter. But don't you think? Don't you think? Uh, sitting here and venting to public is going to stir up thoughts and emotions that we might not other otherwise think of. You know what I mean? So we're going to discover things about ourselves too. Yeah. Well, it's you know I wonder what kind of. I wonder what kind of comments we might get. Because this, this, wonder, I don't want this to be a thing where it's like, oh, look at our experience. You know what I mean? I want to be anti-blackpilled. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to be like, well, let's find some positive, you know, and obviously we're going to call out the fucking bullshit. Yeah. But I want this to be a enlightening experience. Well, I think it is. And, and I, you know, I, I think at minimum 50-50 when it comes to listening, speaking. This to this to me is the podcast where we talk the most. And there's some big podcasts I think where just me and you sit here and talk about stuff. That'll be our opportunity to talk. But for the most part, I want to listen. I want to listen to what people have to say. I want to bring people in. I want to I want to get them to unfold their experiences and use my experience to drive the questions that I ask them. And there's people there, you know, yeah, I have been very bothered by everything, particularly in the last like six, seven months uh, to a point that I needed this like this last two weeks because, you know, my last day was like two and a half weeks ago. This last two weeks has been good for me. You know, I, I needed to step away. I needed it for my own like health, mental health, however you want to describe it. Um, but there's people who are handling it better than I have been. And I'm curious to know how, like, how are they putting things in perspective? What are they? Whether keeping? that's from a religious standpoint yeah. or from a yoga standpoint, meditation, could be family, could family. Like, like whatever, whatever it is, like, how are they staying grounded in, in whatever it is that's keeping them going? Because I'll be the first to admit, I haven't stayed grounded this last two years. It's but. been hard. It's, it's absolutely been hard for me to do it. And I, I don't. I'd, I'm not saying that I was that grounded before, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. I, I want to be honest about, you know, my life and who the fuck I've been. And I've made a lot, burnt a lot of bridges. And, you know, yeah. with my sporadic, you know, with I think too much or whatever. Th you know what I mean? I don't want it to seem like we're on some moral high ground because I'm definitely fucking not. Yeah. You well, know? yeah, me neither. I mean, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I know people. Just a couple of real motherfuckers on the microphone <laughs> trying to get answers from other real motherfuckers. Yeah, I know people that are bothered too, but they're they're keep chugging, and yeah. I want to know. I I, I want to hear from people like what what is it? I know people who are bothered by it, and they're still just happy, and they're they're. I know, you know a lot whatever. of people like that, and I know some people that I you know really close with that still you know very successful and still very positive and yeah. I, sometimes I mean we we can get into all that stuff, but there's a family aspect to that too. You know, like people Fair. with kids, yeah, have to like stay. You know what I mean? You can't just go off the deep end when you got three kids, unless you're a piece of shit that doesn't take care of his kids. You know yeah. what I mean? Or yeah. his or her, excuse me. But yeah, well let's 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 go back to um, let's go back to you going off to do Muay Thai. So, so you get this invitation from this couple friend that you have. No, no, I mean, it's just like a suggestion. A really, suggestion. yeah, yeah. And I was just so shitty that I was like, "Well, I got to do something." Yeah. And and like, 
you know, I mean, this sounds like a journey that like the banks have done the same thing to us. Like I need to lose some weight for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've already been a positive influence on that. Um, so like, yeah, just how how does this unfold? How, it doesn't so really unfold, man. It's just I just was out in Thailand and I trained and well. So like, what about leaving to go to Thailand? Like, yeah, it was like nerve wracking, but it was more exciting because Oregon, I was in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. We all know what the fuck Portland, Oregon is, but, uh, (laughs) now, uh, but we can get into that later, but, uh, it's just so rainy and gloomy nine months out of the year. Right. And so when I got to Thailand, it was fucking clear, hot. And I was just like, wow, this is where I was. I was so excited. And so, you know, meant to be in, you know, I'm not going to go off on, you know, every single little thing that happened, but you know, I just trained out there and met some of the best fucking people in my life. Like how, how did it go for you? Cause you're saying that you'd lost a hundred pounds. So like, how the hell did you, like, I'm, I've, I've seen like how you're, how you're doing physically now to some degree. But how did you like transition through that? Like, Man, it was hard, dude. You just I, start doing a little bit. And a well, little I cut bit off. I, I quit drinking for like seven months. The whole yeah. time I wasn't drinking. When I lost all the weight, I wasn't. I was still smoking pot every day, all day, <laughs> which I still fucking probably. Eh, I don't smoke all day anymore, but yeah, I smoke a lot. <laughs> and uh, but I still kept smoking pot. And I mean, the best shape I've ever. I mean, this is just a little side tangent, but uh, I mean, the best shape I was ever been in in my life running like six minute miles i was still taking 20 bong hits a day <laughs> that's just a little side thing but uh what really helped is my littlest brother was just graduating high school and he was like a starting you know starting varsity wrestler he was a varsity uh offensive lineman but he was you know big like me he was really big fat like me i mean he would say the same thing he was fat like me and he knew he wasn't going to go anywhere with wrestling and football after high school. So he's just like, well, I need to lose weight, too. So we both just fucking I was in town and we just put our nose to the grind and fucking did it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, and then I moved to Portland and I met my like my first real probably the best Mo- the best Muay Thai coach I've ever had. And I mean, anybody in Portland, Oregon will, that's trained with Mr. B will tell you the same thing. And, uh, and he, not only is he a great Muay Thai coach, he is like, so Zen bro. Like he's just like, he really taught me like, like, why are you losing your temper for dumb shit? You know what I mean? Like, why are you letting the world bother you like this? So, you know, for like the two and a half years before, not two and a half years, like one and a half, two years before I left to Thailand, I had this influence in my life who was, I mean, he's like a dad to me, you know, he's really, really, really good dude. And, uh, and then I went to Thailand and obviously, you know, the sins of the world and shit, you know, I mean, I experienced it all. I had some of the best experiences and I wouldn't say some of the worst experiences, but I had some, just because I was overseas running from all my problems in the States, you know, that of course, obviously things are going to come up, you know, and this is still me shoving all my darkness deep down inside without dealing with it yeah. and i think that's where a lot of it came from but it's like i said at the same time the best people i mean my my godson's dad and um i got a you know all, all of them are professional fighters and just like dudes that it really you don't have time to bitch and whine 
Like yeah. they have to fight and train every day. So you're either a positive influence on that for them or get the fuck out of their life. Yeah. And so that really like made me, you know, more of a solid human in general, at least to my friends. Yeah. I was still pretty fucked up to people outside of that, but, um, that those were my biggest learning experiences being overseas is just like motherfuckers that really have to put their nose to the grind or else they're not eating. I, I can't I can't resist the opportunity to talk about this. I mean, like you're talking about fighting. I come, you know, football. I played football for I don't know how many years. Um, you know, and you think about what's going on today. I'm just it, it, it's going to be a thread that feeds into why my mind is the way that it is. I mean, I, I just that's how I learn too. If you want to be on the field, be better than the next guy. You know. That's how it goes. And that's how so many things go. That's you know, climbing through the ranks in corporate America. <sighs> Got to be better in the interview. Like, who? Where, where's this message that everybody wins? No, somebody wins. You know, Somebody loses. Somebody wins and somebody loses. And that's and another some- thing I learned, too, is, you know, one of my buddies, uh, one of my buddies, he, uh, you know, I've been around the world with him all over, you know, like different, all these different countries for his fights yeah and i've watched him win hard and i've watched him lose hard yeah and it's it's tough when they lose hard someone that you love and so much and care about so much and you're seeing them hurting and then to see him just you know obviously he's down for a day or so after the fight but then after that he's just like i just got to get back to the fucking grind and win again i'm telling you it's a it's a great lesson in life to lose with grace like if you if you can lose well that's i mean obviously you don't want to lose but like when you do lose there's a way to lose yeah and you know it seems like people who play sports and stuff seem to be embedded with that message so i don't mean to take i don't i just a sidetrack i couldn't not nah, resist okay. there so like thailand so that wasn't it though like like and and, and so like also, i went everywhere out yeah there, i was gonna right? say you you were like coaching I, uh, corner no I, I didn't i i the only coaching or, i did was uh yeah i cornered my buddy a lot and the, the coaching i did was when i got back to the states yeah. and because yeah. i came back because of covid i was in vietnam and uh COVID happened and I was like, fuck it. I'm not going back to the States. It's shitty over there. But then we saw what was going on in Portland and that's where my family's all at. I mean, Portland was like, my buddies from all over the world were like, yo, what the fuck's going on in Portland? And I was was like, same thing. I thought of you a lot while while all that was going on. So I just kind of, I just kind of was like, man, I got to go back and at least see how my family's doing and shit. And, um, and then I ended up back there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when I was over in time, I mean, I stayed with my buddy in Czech Republic for a month. I stayed with a buddy in New Zealand for a month. I got to go to all, because of one of my really good friends, like my, like I said, my God, my godson's uh, dad, I got to travel with him to Taiwan and China and Philippines and all these different places just to, you know, experience the experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And, but you've done your own fights. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 got, know like, I have fights in this. I have a couple fights in the states, and I have a, like four fights in Thailand. I, I was. Uh, we were talking talking about it the other day. I I have I, I th- I've seen one of your fights, and it was like I don't know, eight years ago or something like that. Yeah, maybe ten years. The ago. The one that you saw, that fight that you saw. So in Thailand, like if it's your first fight out there, they kind of find you like a. <laughs> a fucking a gimme fight, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I whooped that dude's ass in, like, the first round. And, and he probably, you know, he's just 
those gimme fights, those guys aren't going to take a lot of punishment because they're just getting paid to get in there and get out, right? Yeah, just beginning of experience for Yeah, you. and so I did that fight and won, and one of our Muay Thai instructors was like, he said, uh, he said, well, do you want to go fight for this stadium? This is like two days after this fight on Friday. He's like, well, hey, on Tuesday night, you want to go uh, – you want to go fight this guy for like the stadium belt or whatever. And I was all just, you know, you're thinking it's not like a huge belt, but you're thinking in your mind, like, oh, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. That'll be great for my Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went and this guy, this Thai guy, he was a bigger Thai guy, not as big as, I mean, I'm a freakishly big, I guess. And, uh, just for, tall so, anyway. Yeah. Like six, what are you? Six, six five, six five. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the guy kicked the fucking shit out of me for five rounds. I didn't, I, I almost knocked, I almost, I hit him hard in the third round. I saw his eyes, and then he recovered and just kept, the whole time he kicked my left left shin, and I just kept checking it and checking it, and then he was kicking all over my thighs. And I mean, you could, I have a picture of it. Like, my buddy, my buddy Jan from Czech Republic, he was there to support me, and uh, he took a picture, and my leg is fucked. And uh, so like that was a humbling experience. I ended up in the hospital on an IV for five days because Jeez. the um, injury got infected and like exploded pus from the inside out and shit. I don't even know what that's called. Like I was, I had a fever in bed and I called yawn and I was like, Oh man, can you bring me some food or something? And he brings me some food and I get out of bed and there's like this huge puddle of pus in my huge fucking puddle of pus. And then that's when I was like, well, I guess I guess I better go to the hospital. And they pulled out a fucking like, one foot long needle it seemed like and i was like no and they just drained the fuck out of it and put me on an iv in a thai hospital for five days nuts man so uh so so what about vietnam like what what took you what 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 made you land in vietnam Uh, a lot of different things just a change of pace and shit i was always kind of this guy like I don't know. I think my friends would tell you this. So, like, we had a really good group of friends that we all went to Thailand at the same time, and we were all there together. But then, for one reason or another, you know, you just kind of go different places and train different places sometimes. And we all, we all kind of. This is a this is a group chat that I'm still into this day. They're like my best buddies. You know, there's like six or seven or eight of us or something, and uh, and they're all professional fighters still and doing their thing and uh, um. But I was, I felt like I was always kind of this guy that like, oh, we're apart, but I'm going to organize us to all get to, you know, and we'd always, we had all these like reunions and, you know, I was all, I've always been that guy that brings old friends back together and stuff like that. I would attest to that. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it was just me, but, but at the same time, sometimes I'd like to go, I'd like to go and just do my own thing in a different place for a while, you know? And, uh, so I just kind of went to Vietnam and I ended up at a gym there and, um, the owner of that gym ended up, you know, he's he's a buddy of mine, and he was really, really good to me, especially. So I went there for – actually, I, I met another guy there too, a guy from England who's a really good friend of mine, and we, we connected. And then – so I went there for like nine months the first time, and then I at the end, uh, I just wasn't feeling Thailand for one reason or another. It was, pro- you know, my fault, just in a dark place or whatever. And I, in 2019, it was like November 2019, I went to, uh, I went to Vietnam in November of 2019 and, uh, and then COVID happened in 2020 and, uh, 
my buddy that owned the gym that I was training at and just working out at and stuff, he, he, uh, Vietnamese guy, he really, really took care of me during Like we were locked down, but we were still having pool parties and <laughs> fucking thousand dollar sushi it seemed like and how shit like dare that. you yeah yeah oh, <laughs> you. you guys were collecting toilet paper and shit i was like <laughs> eating thousand dollar sushi at like underground five-star restaurants that we weren't supposed to be at and shit <laughs> dude it was fucking awesome and uh and like i said that's part of the reason i didn't want to come back but i saw all the shit going on in portland and that's just kind of how it went and so you came back just to check on the family how was the family more going? or less oh uh, they're good yeah, so they they were they were able to cuz I mean Portland was in the spotlight pretty big. Yeah, it was the city though. It was it wasn't right, like the right. outsider and that's where most people live is the outside, right. you know, out areas, but it still is like fuck, man. I can't like downtown shut down and I'm pretty sure it's still like shit's still boarded. I'm like going on runs. So I was in a little place called Oregon City and this isn't normal. Like, there's always been homeless people in Oregon, whatever, but not like it is now. Yeah. And uh, I'm, like, going on runs, and I'm, at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm seeing people shoot up heroin in, in, like, in the streets in front of everybody. I'm, like, walking by, and they're, like, fucking zoning out with a needle in their arm and shit. And that was definitely some more black pill shit. <laughs> like, we're just going to let this happen, you know? And that was too much. I mean, I don't want to say it's too much. I'm not trying to be a fucking baby, but I was just like, man, I don't want to fucking stay here. So I just thought of the first place that I could that was like not doing all the fucking vaccine mandates and mask mandate. Well, there's still some mask mandates down there, but I went to Mexico. Yeah. And so that's where I've been just kind of fucking zoning out for the last six months. <laughs> well, you still been training down there though, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I was that, still training and shit on my, oh, so, um. We, I have a mutual. Uh, he, he's his name's Eddie Tulum Tulum Muay Thai. If you like Muay Thai, it's one of the sickest gyms I've ever. I mean, he really. He's from Australia. Him and his wife are both pro fighters with a lot of fucking fight. I mean, they are savage motherfuckers, and they ended up in Mexico because they couldn't go back to Australia because they had a dog and they're, they're like the. Um, guidelines to bring your dog back you had to like send it to singapore to get dewormed i don't know whatever the fuck and then get it you know just too much so they ended up in mexico and they opened their own gym and it's fucking flourishing well australia definitely i'm i mean went off the map nuts was that like covid stuff that or is that just like every every day kind of all no it's stuff covid that, stuff it's COVID. Okay, it was all okay. covid like australia the, was like, a australia australia is a great place like my, my friend like my buddy like a glenn my godson's dad he uh he lives there now and he's you know he he's the kind of guy that can just shake all this shit off and he's just like man whatever i'm having a good time you know training my ass and he is he's fucking doing great yeah but they had some crazy fucking shit going on restrictions and fucking well, covid camps and whatever the fuck wasn't wasn't there like a thing where uh people were like thrown in jail because they were caught trying to like i don't i don't KFC. know much about it. it was like <laughs> yeah. kfc was they were trying to get kfc to like a they opened the trunk and then it's not heroin and cocaine it's, it's like just like it's a bunch of kfc well, biscuits i'll say this australians fucking love kfc <laughs> <laughs> listen who doesn't yeah love KFC? yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but uh so yeah just uh i ended up in mexico but it didn't feel 
home. It didn't feel productive. Like I said, I stayed in shape. I was still physically okay, but mentally it was just like, man, this is... And then that's when we started talking, and yeah, and we're like, man, let's just fucking do this. Yeah, I mean, I was planning on doing this by myself. I, I was like, I, like the idea was already kind of formulating, you know, and all this stuff that you're seeing sitting here, all this equipment, and everything. I was already kind of like in the process of looking into it and all that. But I was, I was really happy to consider the idea, like what, like whatever, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, yeah. Uh, me and you are talking. It's like I'm. I think I'm going to start a podcast. You want to come up and be on it? And uh, I'm. I'm super happy that th- it turned out the way that it did. Um, I, I clearly, I think your story is uh, hour and fifty minutes. Like roll it back. Like what a crazy story. Is and that then, what we're on right now? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and even for me, you know, I mean, like we both have these interesting stories. We know people with interesting stories, and we have we have pretty similar thoughts. I, I, I like almost oddly similar thoughts on just about everything. Um, but we also just kind of have a different way of presenting ourselves and and expressing ourselves. So I think the dynamic that we'll bring will be helpful. Um, I think it certainly is better than the idea of me sitting here by myself. You know, trying to get people to come hang out with me for a while. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, you know, you've been here for like two weeks, and man, it's been it's been a real positive for me. Me and, too. Uh, me too. You know, I think it's just uh, it's it's like we said in the beginning. Like, what's the point of this? The point of this is therapy, hobby, getting enlightenment. Yeah, enlightenment. I mean, you know, I'm sure we're going to get we're going to be exposed to all kinds of different ways of thinking. And I think that's going to be positive for us. And I welcome all the positive and all the shitty feedback. I yeah, don't give me a too. fucking anymore. Yeah, me too. Well, I, I guess if if there was a few things to, to say before, I feel like, you know, I've kind of said my piece here in this too. Yeah. almost two hours is... Um, I do want to, I I am feeling liberated. I've kind of been that corporate America guy for uh, 15 years now, 14 and a half, 15 years. And um, I'm appreciating, I'm appreciating the, the feeling and the idea of being a bit unshackled from some of those expectations. I want to say what I think. I want to talk about what I feel. Uh, I want to be real sincere and genuine about that. I think um, well-intentioned, pretty pretty reasonable amount of common sense built up over a lifetime so far. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Me too, bro. That was that was surprisingly easy, right? <laughs> that was and fucking, fun. Just float, yeah. That was just, just float just, off my tongue, bro. Just kind of just kind of reinforces the point of this, but we'll call it a day for right now. And I hope uh, you guys. Liked it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let's get the fuck out of here. See you later. later.